Hey everyone, welcome back. Today's episode is part two of an interview we posted part one of last week. So if you haven't watched that one yet, make sure you go back and watch that first. And I hope you enjoy. You're listening to the Wizard Factory Audio Podcast, streaming now from Spotify, iTunes, and other major platforms. mentioning like within the Yoruba tribe how the the king you know he's like he's always broke because he's giving to his people it very much brought up that kind of um it's very much a Jupiterian type of energy like we look at Jupiter Jupiter creates like wealth and abundance and he expands things you know he takes care of that's why we see Jupiter's the karka of like fatherhood you know what does a father do he's supposed to teach his child he's supposed to give them what they need, like create abundance for his family, help expand those things and, and teach that wisdom. So you, you see that within those the polytheistic um, cultures that the people in positions of, of leadership of power, it's not like it is here in the in like a monotheistic culture where it's a dominating kind of hierarchical power. It's a, they're in that position to actually serve, mm. to try to like help to give back, to have that gabo. Uh, very, very different than uh what we see in the monotheistic culture um and then the next little point that i i want to bring up too is that even if we're looking at the the sacrifice of jesus we can see very much so like with like within the bible even that he he didn't want to do that one like one he, he was told he was told to and then even within there like within the garden you know he's he's like weeping to the point like praying that he's like sweating blood which is a physical condition that I can't remember what it's called exactly, but it's something that can actually happen to the body when you're under such a state of duress and stress that you, you can actually, uh, you know, sweat blood. So he he was in that much resistance to wanting to do it that, you know, that's right. That is not someone who is bravely going to sacrifice himself because they love everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's cowardly on both ends, you know? Yeah. And the, you know, the interesting thing is, is that again, if anybody's like me, I grew up thinking, you know, Jesus is a brand new narrative. There's nothing like Jesus has ever come before. And here he is selflessly giving himself. And then, yeah, you look at it and yeah, like you said, it is a real thing. The capillaries in the, you know, the forehead burst and the, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. imagine the intense thinking that's going on that all the, imagine the headache you must have that it's so intense that the capillaries burst and you sweat blood. You know, that's somebody who's in a tremendous amount of fear and, and probably, you know, the, the conflict has got to be so intense and the guilt and the, you know, I mean, this is yeah, not I am, somebody. I am who's, God's son, but I got to save everybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you, I am fully like, human at the same time, and I really don't want to be killed. <laughs> God, yeah. for some reason, gave me survival, like, you know, survival yeah. mechanisms in my brain. <laughs> and, and we're supposed to look up to that guy like he's some sort of example. Right. He's just like the yeah. classic codependent you know, dysfunctional, yeah. screwed up, you know, victim of childhood abuse. <laughs> right. Why yeah. do we want to be that guy? Right. Yeah. I mean, even, uh, like, even in the military, like in, in the Marine Corps, you know, you, you don't see Marines in like in combat, even, you know, 
to the point that they're sweating blood or anything. And you think about how intense a combat situation is, like, especially within modern warfare. Like, so, I mean, this guy really didn't want to fucking do it. So not only was he cowardly on that end, but it's, it's cowardly on the other side of it, of him being so narcissistic to actually buy into that shit, to believe that, oh, I'm so perfect that my sacrifice will suddenly save all these people. Or the fact that the belief that those people even needed to be saved. It's yeah. a false assumption. Nobody fucking needed to be saved in the first place. We were just fine as we were. And, like, then, and then you've got the whole thing that the thing doesn't even work because, yeah. you know, um, unless you intellectually assent to it, the yeah. sacrifice that he, I mean, and according to the, to the New Testament, he suffered the wrath of Jehovah for every single person's sin, every single person's specific sin before, you know, all that have come before that exist and will ever exist. And that's been thrown onto one person. And even after that, it still doesn't work unless you decide to drink the Kool-Aid and become part of the club. And then that, right. you know, imagine Jesus, like, holy crap, you're telling me that 98% of all that pain I went through was for nothing? They didn't, yeah. I mean, yeah, the short end of the stick. No. <laughs> There's just nothing about it that that is is valuable. But you know, I, my my view of Jehovah is that you know, as you said, I love the word that when you brought in projection because everything is projection. And you know, whether people like it or not, you're worshiping yourself. You worship Odin. You're worshiping yourself. You're worshiping whatever he represents. You're worshiping Shiva. You're worshiping yourself. Krishna. You're worshiping yourself. Buddha. You worship Jesus, you're worshiping your own codependent victim nature and you're spiritualizing it. If you worship Jehovah, you're worshiping your narcissistic ego. So it's interesting, you know, the people who are the most religious are also the most uh, judgmental, you know, the, the most violent, the, you know, the most hypocritical. You know, I remember growing up as a, you know, as a, Christian and watching Jimmy Swagger. You guys remember Jimmy Swagger? You know, yeah. and he ended up having sex with the prostitute and he got caught with it. And then, you know, he has the balls to sit there in front of the whole world and go, I have sinned against you. It's just, oh my God. <laughs> before that, I mean, what's interesting, because I remember, I remember before that, he would go up and he would rail against pornography. And he would rail against lust. And that's because he's out there screwing prostitutes. Yeah. And he would take the Quran and he would say, like, the Quran is, you know, I mean, he would just tear and destroy any other religion. I'm not a fan of the Quran either, but it was just so hypocritical the way he would destroy everybody else's religion and then, you know, turn around and it's okay because he, you know, he confessed and he said, God, please forgive me. And he cried. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's it, nothing left to say. It's, it's, you know? Yeah, it's, it, Christianity very much has this kind of like what Logan and I we, we've referred to as like the magic pill like concept mm -hmm. that it's you can just, just as easy as it is to be saved, it's easy to be forgiven. Right. You just say, so you oh, just, forgive me. I'm sorry. Yeah, you just do this, and all of a sudden your problems are gone away. Or you know, I mean, so even within our society of oh, oh, you have this depression, we'll take this pill, and it's gone. It's this whole like mm -hmm. it's the wanting the easy route out. Or and this is this is something that's coming up big for me is the difference in the 
the polytheistic societies and their understanding of Saturnian type of lessons, natural law, versus the monotheistic uh, society and, and how they're very much separated from those Saturnian lessons. Where like Saturn, you know, there's a reason Saturn, he, he's the bringer of our karma. He's, he's that pressure. He, he's cosmic law. He's natural law. And, you know, like in relationship astrology, we see Saturn, he, he's not masculine or feminine. He, he's considered neutral like Mercury because he's not, he just is, he's just that objective truth of what is, but it's also that pressure. And with monotheistic societies where they, they really try to not only separate themselves from nature, but by doing so separate themselves from that pressure that actually teaches us about cosmic law, about natural law, and has these experiences of how we actually interact. It's that pressure of Saturn that forges us and makes us actually have to become something better. Whereas like, they're just, they want that easy route out. They don't want to have to put that long, hard work of Saturn in there. They just, they just want it given to them. They don't want to have to feel that pressure or feel that intensity or deal with the consequences of their own choices. Oh, I've sinned. Well, now I just get to have my, my easy get out of jail free card. And I do this, I get dipped in some water and I'm fucking good to go. It's that, you know, like that's, that's not how karma works. I mean, you can try that with Saturn all you like, but you're going to have a bad fucking time. Like, cause he's not going to just let you up without getting a lesson. Um, and that, you know, there's a strong disconnect between uh, societies that are accepting and understand that there is this challenge. There is that pressure, but that's literally what helps us evolve. That's what helps us continue to grow. And without that, you become stagnant and weak and just just a pathetic little sheep like most most modern uh christians are they they will bend down and lick whatever boot they're told to we see that uh also reflected in western medicine where western mm -hmm. medicine is you know i mean it's getting better but it you know it's designed to cover up symptoms which is the same idea mm -hmm. here just take this pain pill or here just take this antidepressant or, you know, he'll just take this. And all it does is it pushes the, the imbalance further into the tissues. It, it gives you a little break where you don't feel the effects immediately. But, yeah, you end up dying, you know, later um, of a heart, heart disease or some, some other really nasty thing as a result of right. continually suppressing the symptoms. And like you said, you know, Christianity doesn't work because just ask, I mean, if, if getting forgiveness then motivates you to then take correct action, great. But if it's just, yeah, get out of jail free card, then th that illusion that you, you know, and again, what a great way to control people because then you can give them conflicting advice. You can give them uh, superficial uh, things to do that, that go against their own nature and they'll just take it because, you know, again, like, the, you know, the, if you question the Bible, you know, they'll say, oh, you can't judge God according to man's standards because, you know, a God is, is so mysterious that we can't use. It even says you can't use your common sense to understand right. God. I, you, you're supposed to use it in your daily life with other people. Any other right. human being acts like Jehovah. We, we put them in the electric chair for being a psychopathic murderer. But mm -hmm. God can do it and we can't question him. You know, it just yeah. the end of back in the same same scenario and like you said you know that sets up uh, uh, an environment where you don't question you don't analyze and you don't take responsibility yep yeah christianity it, it, it's a religion that like you, you have to be a layman to you know or not question or not think to really 
to really still buy into it. It's just not well, when you start more for your thinking. Yeah, it, it, it's just such a thing. And, you know, an, another interesting thing to bring out is just the fact that, you know, uh, well, one, this historically, like there, there's no actual proof Jesus was even a, a real character. But even if we want to go from like the assumption of, of Christians that like, yeah, he was and everything, you as you read through the Bible, you can see so many different little contradictions. You'll say like, oh, well, he, he was, you know, he was all about forgiveness and treating people with love and loving your neighbor and all these other things. But yet you can go through and point at example after example of like where that's just not actually the case. Um, and that you can't actually think the Bible is a good thing without having to go through and cherry pick, right? To to look at certain things that you want to be and accept, but but then totally ignore everything else, like where it says it's okay to beat your slave or to treat your you know your wife terribly or or whatever all the other bullshit that we see in there. Uh, it it really requires like people to have to have this this cog they have to stay in a state of cognitive dissonance. Yep. To where they can, mm-hmm. they can accept like they have these very contradictory beliefs like within their mind because they're they're reading this book and oh this is all true and God's all about love but yet at the same time oh he he wiped out this in, you know this entire city uh, or if you dis- you do something that offends him he's going to punish you and and generations of children after you that didn't even do anything he's going to yeah. punish them too like it you know you you can't actually honestly uh, look at the Bible and and reconcile those things mm-hmm. it's like the, yeah, I, it, there's I, I, contradiction I, between even jehovah and jesus what what they're saying what jesus is teaching and what jehovah is doing are are even contradictory to one right. another yeah yeah um I, I like you bringing up the cognitive dissonance because when you know you, you understand anybody who is you know chronically in cognitive dissonance they act out in really destructive ways in their environment and so I think that's what's been happening with the world for the past 2,000 years. We've, yeah. we've got, you know, this is our society, whether they choose to be religious or not, they still live under this cognitive dissonance of being told one thing and doing something else. I actually have another point on the cognitive dissonance thing, too, because and would you, what you said about responsibility. And for me personally, I think that's one of the biggest things that nailed the coffin, you know, so to speak, when it comes to Christianity and me not even trying to give it the, you know, the benefit of the doubt as maybe it works for some people or or whatever like that is just because it's so antithetical to true sovereignty and personal responsibility. And, um, you know, take it back to the Adam story where God is pretty much punishing all of humanity for the actions of one guy it really comes down to this one thing for, for me, like, I, you know, th- this one thing kind of seals the deal as far as the cognitive dissonance. So the, the Bible also teaches that you can't get to heaven by, by works alone, like just going around doing the good deeds isn't enough. You have to, in word, like give your allegiance to God or whatever, give your heart, however they, they want to word it for you. That you, you have to do that in addition. It's not about you. It's not about you taking right action, which is really what, you know, is a, the natural byproduct of true spiritual advancement is you become a more moral person. You, you learn how to treat other people. And whereas we're, we're the, the works alone don't count, but yet you have to 
do the action of converting, which that in itself is an act. But you can do as much good as you want and it doesn't count, but we're being punished for our bad, even if it's not even our own bad doings. We're being punished for some guy named Adam that I've never even met. So it's like you can't have both ways. Either we are, you know, it's the teacher that's punishing the whole class because one kid snuck food in or, you know, something like that. It's it's bullshit. We all know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's again, a really great way to control people where there's no, you know, a clear path on what to do. You know, there, you, you can't win. And so no matter what you do, it's bad or good. And so that just keeps you in a constant state of just doing whatever the hell you're told. It's a, it's a right. great way of, you know, psychological torture. Right. It's like, yeah. I'm so confused. I don't really know what the right thing is by exercising my own conscience. So I guess I'll just obey and do yeah. what everyone and, else is doing. And so you right. just end up doing exactly what you're told without any thinking about it whatsoever. Yeah. You know, I remember what I was going to say, which was that, um, you know, when I was a Christian and I remember, I mean, just all the time, including myself, you would hear Christians say things like, I just know that I know that I know that Jesus is Lord and that God is a good God. Don't we have a good God? We have a good God. And they, they talk like that. It sounds like somebody's perseverating, like they got a problem, but they, right. they all talk like that. And so I just assumed that's what a really religious person does until I left Christianity. I never once to this day have I ever heard a polytheist, especially a polytheist of a tradition that has an unbroken connection into prehistory, never have I heard them perseverate about how good their God is. Krishna, maybe a little bit, but that's almost, you know, they're so close to worshiping Jesus. But other than that, you know, somebody would say, yeah, Shiva's my guy. I I really love Shiva. Somebody else says, oh, yeah, I'm really into Rama. You go, oh, really? Oh, that's cool for you, man. That's great. Uh, yeah. Shiva doesn't work for me. Yeah, I understand. To teach his own. I'd say that to a Christian. Oh no, Jesus is good. Jesus is a. He's the best. I know that Je- Jesus is. Please believe because he's the best. That's obviously somebody who's in some severe cognitive dissonance and somebody who um, has major serious doubts about their religion. You know, you go yeah. to. I, I can remember being in church and there would be whole sermons on faith. Do you have the faith of a mustard seed? Jesus said, which of course Jesus had the faith of a mustard seed, because look at he turned the water into wine and fishes into loaves. And you know, and Jesus said, if you have just the tiniest amount of faith, like the size of a mustard seed, I mean the tiniest amount, anybody could do that. If you could do that, you could move mountains, which again, the unstated, you know, follow-up to that is can you move a mountain? And I'd sit there and I go, I can't move a mountain. Wow, I don't even have the faith of a mustard seed. What a piece of crap am I? And I can remember at the end of the sermon, the, the, the guy, you know, after all that, he would say, do you really believe in Jesus? Do you really have faith? And of course, the answer is no. Nobody could sit there and say, yes, I truly have faith like you just described. Nobody can yeah. do that. And then after that comes what? The altar call. Come on up. If you want to receive Jesus, you know, then you have to because you're such a piece of crap. You can't even do the tiniest little thing that Jesus said is the easiest thing to do. And so you better come up and just give yourself to Jesus, you worthless piece of crap. God loves you anyway. Oh, my God, you're disgusting. 
it's like a basic, uh, like the sales pitch where, you know, you want, you want to like highlight the problem, like they, that they're not aware of. And then, Oh, okay. So, well, you don't have the faith of a mustard seed. So do you want to come up and accept Jesus now? Cause you really need him. Um, but it, it's interesting that you brought up the whole, them trying to say like, Oh yeah, I know how much, cause like, I, I grew up like right in the middle. Like I'm like Wichita, Kansas. So like smack dead fucking center in the Bible belt is terrible. But like, you know, I, I would hear them say that shit all the time. And it, it's more like they're trying to convince themselves than they are of you even. Cause they just have to keep like repeating that. But I brought, I like that you brought up the point that it's a religion that it's, it really is designed to control people. And and it has been from the beginning. Like I know like within um, uh, the kind of anarchist or natural law community that like Logan and I, our background kind of comes from that. There's a lot of people that have this idea that Jesus was an anarchist or that it was a religion of freedom and rebels when it first started. And like, go, I got to tell you, if you think that go read a fucking book, that's not how it started at all. It started as a religion of control from the fucking get go. Uh, it, it was never anything based in sovereignty or free will. Jesus wasn't an anarchist. I'll say that. Uh, so people can get, you know, if you got offended, let me know in the comments below. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not a religion based on freedom or honoring anyone's sovereignty or, or anything like that. It's that, the exact that's a opposite. Really, really good point. It's a really good point because it is such an insidious infection. Yeah, that this is why we need to be able to look at our unconscious is so important. This is why ritual, meditation, mantra, qigong, all that, whatever, pick your your favorite one. It's really important because if you do that in concert with the conscious intention to become a critical thinker, you do that so you can look at your own unconscious program. And what I hear in that, which I see everywhere is that even people who consciously are seeking to break away from what they know is a toxic religion, a toxic mindset, they're still programmed by it because they can't walk away from trying to find a way to make Jesus fit. Because yeah. they, mm -hmm. on an unconscious level, they still believe if they reject Jesus, they're going to go to hell. And mm -hmm. a good example is, uh, you know, I, I had a friend of mine who, we we were friends, you know, in college, and then we didn't talk for, you know, the last time we talked, he started saying he was going to become a Christian. And I went, oh. And I, I, I don't know if I said anything, but I was like, I can't have anything more to do with that guy. Because I just yeah. couldn't be around it because I was still deprogramming. So 20 years later, we run into each other, and he says, hey, uh, you know, I, I was a Christian. And he says, I'm deprogramming. And it's, it was a total cult and all that. And so, you know, I'm there to, you know, like we're doing now, bag on how fucked up. Yeah. And uh, the three, him and me and his girlfriend were eating dinner and he and I were going at it. And of course she didn't know what the hell we were talking about. And he stopped and he said, you know, my girlfriend probably doesn't understand why we're so, you know, passionately against Christianity because, you know, she's only seen it from the outside. She didn't really get into it as deeply as you and I did. And she goes, right. yeah, I don't understand what you guys are so upset about. I mean, these are just people that are wanting some kind of connection and they're looking for some kind of grace. And I said, that's a good point. The question is, why do you need grace? What did you do? There's nothing wrong with being human that you need to be forgiven of something. Yep. But that was her first response that somehow grace was equal to spirituality, that forgiveness meant spirituality. 
Yeah. And, mm. and it, you know, that now we look at it in context of Odin's, you know, uh, fury towards me talking about why the hell is somebody sacrificing himself for your enlightenment? That's the worst thing anybody could do. I would kill that guy if he did that for me. He's a coward. You know, that yeah. just from, from the perspective of somebody coming from that, you know, tradition for tens of thousands of years, that is a logical response for somebody who has been unconsciously programmed and, you know, genetically unconsciously programmed to have to believe in Jehovah and Jesus. Even if you say, yes, I'm polytheist, like a lot of people, they go to, you know, they practice Hinduism or whatever it is that they do, but they still have to come back and talk about, yeah, Jesus loves everybody. And that's the important part. We'll just take the Jesus loves everybody part. It still yeah. means that you're not willing to analyze what you believe. You're not willing to take a look at the fear within mm-hmm. that says, I'm afraid. And I can't speak for anybody else, but the most traumatic experience of my life was rejecting Christianity. I'm not yeah. doing this because it's, I think it's cool and fun. I mean, it was horrific. I mm-hmm. was certain I was going to hell. I knew it. And I was consciously choosing to go to hell because I couldn't tolerate the thought that I was worshiping the actual God that existed who was going to throw people in hell for no reason. Mm, And if that meant I was going to go to hell, I'm going to go to hell. And our ancestors did the same thing. There was one guy, a pagan guy, Anglo-Saxon, and uh, the the Catholic guy was trying to convert him and said, you know, if you convert to this and if you uh, get baptized, you'll, you know, be saved and be a part of Jesus, blah, 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 and go to heaven. You won't go to hell, you'll go to heaven. And he said, will my ancestors be there? And he goes, no, they didn't accept Jesus. And he goes, well, why the hell would I go someplace where I'd be away from those brave people? Screw that. I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, that, that people still are unwilling, unwilling to truly die mm-hmm. for the truth. Yeah. yeah one that- thing you said that really struck a chord with me about the whole the grace thing and just Taking me back to, you know, I, I, I formally rejected Christianity over 12 years ago now, and I'm still purging from the programming and from specifically the shame. That's what really stood out to me in what you were saying, Michael, is how, how much shame there is about everything, every part of being human. Yeah. You're ashamed for being born. You're ashamed for having a, a body, a naked body and genitals and everything. You have shame for wanting money, for having desires, for, you know, wanting, you know, just to experience like the nice things in life. There's shame around all of that. And you're told that that those things are less pious, less pure, less, you know, celestial or, so, or whatever. And that's so missing such a big part about why we incarnated as human beings mm. and what all this has to offer for us as a, as an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I like what was said earlier about, um, you know, Jesus was a rebel and that need to, you know, bring him into your thing, whatever that is. And, you know, if you're, a, if you're, so you're an anarchist and that's how you identify yourself. So you're a rebel, right. And you're a rebel for the right cause. And so, Therefore, we're going to use the, uh, the, just the default religious person to back us up. Oh, yeah, and by the way, Mascot. Jesus, you know. Right. 
But, um, you know, that I, I've made a, a lot of videos on my channel about exposing Gnosticism because that's a, yeah. a typical response from a new age person who doesn't want to follow the Bible or Jehovah or any of that other stuff, but they still want to hang on to the idea of Jesus. So they say, no, but the original Jesus, he was this Gnostic teacher. And I go, yeah, so what is Gnosticism about? It's about denial of self, that, mm -hmm. that your body is bad, that physicality is bad. Jesus was so pure, he wasn't even physical. He was just this non-physical being. And then you have, instead of Jehovah, you have the Demiurge, which is like the devil, which is Jehovah. And, and he created this physical world, which is bad. And then you have the heaven, which is good. What a mind fuck. You know, yeah. where my ancestors said, yeah, I've got this body and it's got these great things. I can have sex with it. I can do all this fun stuff with it and I can enjoy life and ride horses and whatever the hell it is. That, that the idea that being three-dimensional is somehow bad. Instead, it was like, no, this is a cool place. We came to have fun. We, yeah. we incarnated in this really cool place. <clears throat> Fun thing. It's nothing bad about that. And then there's yeah, there's this these other nine worlds, and they do these other things, and those are cool too. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's subjection. It's, it's self hatred. If we say we hate this world and we hate our flesh and we hate the earth, you're saying you hate yourself because what are you? You're mm -hmm. this physical. You being. are it. And the, yeah. You know, it just creates yeah. nothing but misery. I love that you brought that up because that, that's been a big lesson with me um, working. Uh, Venus is my Ishta Devata, so I, I work with Freya a lot. And that was a huge lesson that I, I got from her was just the devotion to just be. That like this place, this body, this is where it happens. This is just spirituality doesn't happen in the 10th dimension. Not while you're riding a fucking unicorn on like on a rainbow. Like it's it's here. Like this is where this is where it happens and the devotion to being a human being like that's a beautiful experience but you both also um brought up some points that that I, I think tie very well together um in regards to how christianity one of the ways it really goes about controlling uh people and it's the the total difference in the the linear progression of life that you just have this one life this one little chance and then you die and then that is good you're judged for eternity based off of that that's a totally different foundational mindset to operate from than than what we see within a, a polytheistic culture where we believe in reincarnation and the the for the purpose of learning, experiencing, and growing, and knowing that you're going to do that over and over again from different perspectives because there's no fucking way you could ever get it in just one lifetime. But you just kind of like you have to do it over and over again from different perspectives. Well, that is when you have that kind of a mindset. Death is not something you fear. It's not something that you're punished for any of this. So f for them to control society, one of the first things they had to do was really get in this kind of linear life. They hope oh, you just have this one shot. And if you fuck up, you're, you're tortured for eternity. When people believe that and they operate, it's a trauma-based mindset. It's mm -hmm. trauma-based mind control is what it is. Um, it ties back into the concept that, uh, Michael, I first came across the concept of, of the ghost door within the Bagua uh, from you. But as Logan and I have applied it to the A.S. Homer, we've done a, an episode called the unconscious feedback loop. Where if we look at the the nine worlds and the different psychological aspects they, they represent of, each, uh, of ourselves, we can see that, that that 
unconscious realm in Helheim, that opens up that ghost door. But w- when you start doing that, it actually kind of creates a, a feedback loop where you're you're essentially just getting like stuck in this loop because mm-hmm. the, the unconscious trauma leads into the belief systems. Mm-hmm. And then that's where those become solidified. That feeds into our ego because of our ego. We act on it. It gets into the subconscious. We continue to take actions. It goes into the unconscious. And it's just right. this feedback loop that cuts us off from actually and, being able what- to to connect with other people, connect with our ancestors and connect with the the realm of the North, which is unmanifested potential. So we can't change anything. We just get stuck in the same trauma based loop. Uh, and it, and it all goes down to that unconscious programming, that, that trauma that has been put into our society over and over again. And then people are acting from this and they're, they're just stuck in this trauma loop that they can't get out of. and And it keeps them stuck in dogma. I don't know if you realize this, but you just explained Kal Sark Yoga. Have you heard of that? Uh, I, I have not, no, but this was something that Logan and I, we um, oh, we were looking at the animals one day is- and I was kind of like explaining it to him and it just, it like dawned on me of like what it really is. And I was like, well, fuck, that's this, good. Like, <laughs> just totally blew my mind. And let me, let me share it with you. And it's perfect because cool. um, we'll have to look. So, um, do me a favor, uh, um, I'm going to stop talking so the camera will go back on you. And then I want you to point from the southwest to the northeast for just a second. So go ahead. Yeah. So this would be Helheim in the southwest, and then this is the northeast. This is Asgard. Okay. So what you just pointed to was the two directions of the nodes of the moon. Southwest mm-hmm. is Rahu, and the, yeah. the, the northeast is Ketu. So Ketu and Rahu are a serpent. And so in somebody's chart, when all of the planets are on one side of Rahu and Ketu and there's no planets on the other side, then those planets are hemmed in. So it means that it's really Uh, negative thing. They get trapped in obsession or, you know, self. uh, And so as we know, karmic notes. What yeah. you just described is now I know what Kalsarp Yoga is. Because what you're right. talking about is you get trapped in the southwest, which has a back right. door to the northeast, Door. which is what? Ketu. So it goes from Rahu to Ketu. Then half of the cycle. You don't go through yeah. the whole cycle. Cool. You get trapped in half of the cycle. And so now I totally get it. I mean, I keep hearing about uh, this Kalsarp Yoga and planets. Are yeah. Kind of and K2, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. This is not, yeah, that makes perfect sense too, because it's also um, Rahu and K2 are shadow planets, and you know they're not visible grahas that we see with our eyes. They're the shadow planets, so they always operate on a on an unconscious or kind of subconscious level that's there. So you know, definitely like within our our belief systems and and the realm of the unconscious, especially with Rahu, you know, and our desires. So yeah, that that makes so much sense that how yeah, that, planets being trapped between them would kind of keep them keep them stuck in a certain way because it's just this dance back and forth between Rahu and Ketu, but they can't can't escape out of it. So yeah, that's that's a very interesting point. But yeah, that's something that we we've been terming the unconscious feedback loop. Um, you know, like this is what I love about syncretism because here you know we've got the A.S. Yalmer behind you which is the eight gates which i learned from taoism i didn't really right. know what that meant i just knew you know from having worked with the eight directions that they're different great then i start getting into um 
you know, runes and all of that. And hey, Shomer, and I go, hey, let's do this weird thing and let's put the runes in the eight doors. And oh, hey, that works really well. Let's works really well. Treating this like this is something that's real. And then you guys are taking that thing that I've, you know, sort of Frankenstein together. And then you come up with this awareness of, look, you get this ghost door, which is a Taoist understanding, and you're using it when, with the nine worlds, that is a Norse understanding. And now we bring in Vedic astrology, and we go, that's the missing piece that explains Kalsar yeah. Yoga. And now yeah. we, I think we have a deeper understanding of why Kalsarp Yoga is a big deal. Because normally you go, okay, so all the planets are on one side of Rahu and Ketu. Why is that a big deal? Well, it's because, like you're saying, is that the, the human soul never gets past a certain, you know, limited experience. Yeah. It goes from the ego to the uh, unconscious, you know, self-flagellation back up into manifestation yeah. and the ego and then the actions. And it never gets passed to the West, which is awareness, which then goes to the Northwest, which is um, moksha, which goes mm -hmm. back to then recreation. Right. And so it's a, that'll tell you what that person needs now. I mean, you yeah. guys just, did something I love. I love that that this happened because this yeah. has been my whole goal of all this whole thing. You know, I didn't I didn't create any of this. The right. stuff that I that that I've come together, I didn't create it. I'm just picking up. You know, these guys said this and that works. These guys said this. Let's see what happens if this is a science and we put this together. This should fit. Oh, fits perfectly. And I'll take this. Nope, that doesn't fit. All right, let's put that up. And, um, you know, it's not having an agenda of my thing or your thing. It's let's find the thing, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if we yeah. look back to bring all full circle, if we look back at the, uh, the Hopi mythology that says that we were all one tribe at one point and, you know, whatever, our highest awareness said, let's go off into different directions and master the five elements or the four elements, then let's come back together and let's put this thing together and then we can reach, you know, our highest evolution, which is what the Hopi said is that when the white man comes, because they knew he was coming. So when the white man comes to, uh, to what we call the new world, if he's wearing a cross within a circle, which is our ancestors before Christianity would wear these Odin, you know, the eye of Odin, which is a cross within a circle. If they come over with a cross within a circle, they've remembered who they are and that we're brothers and we're going to come together and we're going to create heaven on earth. If he shows up and he's wearing a cross outside of a circle, then he's forgotten who he is and you better run for the hills because he's going to bring death and destruction. And it's interesting because the, the descendants of the Goths who were, you know, uh, Germanic people who must have used that same symbol, the Spaniards were the first people who showed up and they showed up wearing the, you know, Catholic cross with no circle. And, um, you know, uh, it, now what you guys have just done today is you've taken this, you know, I'm trying to do this thing. I I'm not creating any of this. I'm just bringing things together that I see and trying to make it fit. And then you made this connection based on Taoist understanding of the Bagua and the, the nine worlds of the Norse tree. And, you, you know, it's like, this is what this is about. This yeah. is my dream. My dream is that we become these adventurers that are able to get our own personal shit out of the way and say, let's put this thing back together. 
And this is what the Hopis were saying, is that eventually when all of the tribes of the human race come back together and they bring whatever they've learned in their different you know, uh, things over the past 100,000 years, that then you know, the human race will evolve to the next level. So yeah. you guys just made another uh, uh, contribution to that. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. Bringing that to my attention. That's really amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you appreciate it. No, because it's definitely like a, a concept, like without uh, your work that you've put out there on the ghost store and things, like it, it was me learning about that, that kind of, and and as well as you teach nine worlds, that then kind of let me put those pieces together. And that's like like you're saying within the Hopi myth, it's, it's about us all kind of going out on our own paths, our own journey, and then coming together to share what we've learned. And it, it's a beautiful process to see. And this is something that Logan and I kind of, uh, we refer to this concept of like modern paganism uh, in, in the sense of like, you see a lot of people who are just getting into paganism or, you know, especially like within the house of through community and things like that, that they'll kind of still bring a lot of these monotheistic filters and they're like, Oh no, the, the, the Edda say this, so it has to be this way. And they, they're kind of stuck in the way things were in the past. It's fundamentalist. Yeah, we, we operate more from the the perspective of like, it's great to learn you, the unbroken uh, traditions that go all the way back. Those are wonderful to learn to, but it, you don't, you don't have to stay stuck there. Like it's about, evol- it's about evolving. Like it's taking like, like our ancestors didn't have access to the technology that we have today. And, and if they did, they would have been using it because especially the Germanic people were very practical people. Yeah. Like if it works, you, you, you incorporate it into your life and you start using it because it improves your life. Well, we, we have very unique opportunities where we can connect with people and uh, from other traditions and other cultures in an instant, like on the other side of the world, we don't have to get in a long ship and travel all the way there. We, you know, we have so many wonderful, uh, so it's, it's about tapping into that beauty and that wisdom of the past, uh, of the past, as well as developing new understandings to continue to take that forward. Um, so that you know, it you know, yeah, I, I really love yeah. being able to take different concepts and, and unite them in a way that that works in a new understanding. Yeah, and you know, we're we're all you know in a you know, we're there's no static. You know, we can take a snapshot, and we can look at evolution in a snapshot, and which is what we do when we look at religion, which is wonderful. You know, I do it. I love doing it. I you know, you guys know, I love the past. And but if we're realistic about it, there's no such thing as a snapshot. Everything is an evolution of something else, and everything is a you know a, a result of a mixture of things uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. And to not understand that is you know, but you know, people have to come at it from whatever they they have to come at it as. And I'm with you. Um, you know, you've heard me go on about the limitations of you know neo anything. Um, yeah. But I agree. It's they're taking that Christian uh, monotheist fundamentalist attitude. And even though they're trying to get away from it, you know, because the people, some of the people who are the most vocal against Christianity will be uh, neo-pagans and neo-heathens. But at the same time, they're taking that uh, approach to scripture and using it with, like you said, the Eddas. And I think one person Mm -hmm. even created like a heathen Bible. Like they tried to put yeah. together the myths in the order. So, was, and, you know, just, and yeah. the, you know, the, the irony, it's not even hypocrisy because it's just irony you know, that they can't yeah. see that you realize you're just doing the Christian thing with the Norse mythology. You don't see that. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> which is what the Christians took with like all our mythologies anyway, and then they kind of put it all together in an amalgamation of something they they could actually use to get people to convert. Um, but no, it's that it's that whole like what we were talking about earlier, where like with Gnosticism or people like you know like within the freedom or the anarchist community, they really kind of want to keep putting Christianity on, keep putting Jesus on this pedestal, and it's it's it, like I said, it goes to that trauma based like mind control of like where they're they're they want to deny like their soul their intellect sees that it doesn't make sense and they want to reject that but there's still that trauma-based mind control that epigenetic memory because it's been forced by the sword for thousands of years of like oh you can't you can't commit blasphemy like you can't say anything bad about jesus and so they they try to keep it's like they try to keep one foot in each pond right and And they can't decide which one to actually get in right And, and so you know i mean um, I liken it to Satan worship. Now, if anybody knows anything about Satanists, you know, real Satanists are not people who sacrifice babies and, and worship demons and kill. That's not what a Satanist does. A Satanist is uh, somebody who uses the idea of the anti-God to go against this, you know, as they see. They obviously see that Jehovah is a bad guy and, and he's, uh, uh, you know, uh, hypocritical and evil and all that. But the thing is, is that you can't have a devil without a God. You can't have a a devil without a Jehovah. So it's a reaction. You're still unconsciously uh, worshiping Jehovah like kids do. They rebel against their parents. um, And lots of times they're trying to get negative attention. What they really want is they want mommy and daddy to love them. And they do that by rebelling. Anybody, you know, I don't have kids. You have kids. You probably know it better than I do. But that's, (laughs) that's trying to get negative attention. Yeah. Um, so it's an un, so like you're saying, they're trying to get Jesus and they're going to say, no, Jesus is ours on an unconscious level. They still, like you said, they're, they're coming from a trauma based thing. They're afraid of mommy and daddy rejecting them. But the way we're going to do that is we're going to paint our face black and we're going to stand up and we're going to rebel. And I hate you, mommy and all that. And it's, it's, it's still part of the same cycle. You haven't left. Right. It's like the yeah, I, yoga. You're bouncing back and forth between the southeast and the north. Right. The, the yeah. North, northeast and the southwest. Yeah, I like I like that you brought up Satanism as an example because yeah, I, I think really the best way to to summarize like Satanism is um, not even so much that they they don't actually worship the idea of, of Satan as a, a deity or anything. That's more they just will do to kind of trigger Christians out. Uh, but it, it's ritualized atheism. But we can very much see, and Logan and I have spoke about this on the show, how atheism really is kind of a trauma-based knee-jerk reaction of going to the other polarity as a rejection, out of a rejection of monotheism, of, oh, God and religion means this thing, so now I'm not going to believe in anything, any of it, rather than even looking at the other options like paganism and polytheism and, right. and other things like that. Because it's, it still shows that in their mind there's only two choices, which right. is monotheism. There's either right. God or there's nothing. nothing. If there, and if there is a God, there's the one God that we worship. And if that God isn't right. it, then there's nothing. And so right. they've, you know, they've been programmed, even if they're not in a religious home, just by being in a Western society, you're programmed as a monotheist, whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. And so they've come to the logical conclusion, maybe because their parents were Christians and were abusive, that obviously would explain a lot, but even if not, you just you just, you look at it and you go, this is ridiculous. You know, this is Christian-based society is so destructive. I'm going to reject that. 
the assumption is that the only choice is there's no God. Right. Which really means that you still believe in God, you just don't like him. Yeah. And you know, and we don't we didn't see that before monotheism came into existence. You didn't see right. atheists. You saw people who had different belief systems. You had people who said they're panentheists. I don't know what it is, but it's in everything. Or no, it's this elephant-headed guy. And, you know, they had different beliefs. And then you could believe one thing and this other guy could believe another thing. And you could have a, you know, a common phrase would be, oh, that's his God. You know, and that's okay. He has his God. It's okay for somebody to say, yeah, I don't really believe in one God. I think that there's this Brahman, which is in everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was okay. You had all kinds of choices. You could pick whatever you want, but there was this understanding that there was something there. And um, that seemed kind of universally understood. It's only in modern times where first you have monotheism, which desacralizes everything, mm-hmm. which again is Gnosticism as well. It desacralizes the sacred, which is Mother Earth, which is every plant, every rock, every tree, every molecule is filled with sacred energy. And Christianity destroyed that because if you worship the rocks and the trees, you weren't going to church worshiping the God that's going to control you, like we explained, and get you to do everything that we're telling you to do. So we have to demonize anything that isn't this intellectual idea of God. Therefore, we can control you. That's new. That's brand new. That's only been introduced into the world over, you know, since uh, the idea that uh, uh, Jehovah came into existence, you know, with mm-hmm. 300 BC or whatever it was. Until right. that time, nobody thought like that. This is yeah. a brand new way of thinking, but it's now so ingrained that people can't even let go of their belief in this really fucked up idea of spirituality in exchange for another one, because they still can't walk away from the feeling of there has to be one God. I'm just going to rebel against him and just not believe in him. I'm going to punish yeah. him. You know, atheism is a way of punishing this evil God. I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to believe in Santa Claus. Therefore he'll go away. Right. Right. So, yeah, yeah I like that you brought up that that separation from nature and how, like, the church, they, they very much attack that. And, you know, a lot of people may not know this, but the, within the Germanic uh, culture, there was uh, something known as going to going to sit out or sitting out where you would go sit in the woods. You would connect with nature. You would be, you know, just observing, worshiping nature. Right. Well, that, that was actually made illegal. There was a law passed against it. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it was in. Um, the 1500s, if I'm correct, I could be wrong on that. But sometime within within the medieval ages, there, there was a law passed against it too, and it was such a a sin that to confess to that you couldn't even go to a regular priest; you had to go to a bishop wow. in order to get. Yeah, like I mean, they very much like they literally made it a law that you're not allowed to go out and connect with nature by yourself like that, to go out and sit and meditate. Um, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to look up exactly what that was and what year has passed. But yeah, that was something when I came across it, I was like, man, that just really goes to show you mm. how much they just very directly attack that connection with nature. It, and, it's a very disgusting thing. And then think about how popular it is and intense the desire is for uh, Caucasian Americans and people, I guess Caucasians, you know, Western people all over the world 
you know, who are from this tradition, I mean, from ethnically from that tradition, they want to be, uh, uh, learn how to do uh, Native American uh, spirit quest. Mm-hmm. And their feeling is I'm doing this other thing from this other culture. And, you know, I mean, I did, I went to sweat lodges and all of that. That's that same idea, but that's because this is in our DNA. It's only been out of our DNA, according to you, for 500 years. Yeah. It's only been the last 500 years that it's been outlawed, that people can't go into nature and have a spirit quest. You know, they right. can't see it out. That's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't it, yeah. You know, it's, it, it really is. And it just goes to show you how strong the, the animist or the, it, I like Thomas Sheridan said this once that he gave a present uh, lecture called everybody's a pagan. And I, I think it's one of his best lectures he, he's ever given. But when you really come down and you think about it, like every human being, like we can all look out in nature and see the beauty in it. Like we can all observe something and like get a lesson from it. And that's, that's all animism and paganism is It's just being connected with the world around us. We're all a pagan at heart. It's just, it's all the programming and the trauma-based mind control that has, has gotten in the way of us being able to have that connection. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was such a, a interesting uh, law that passed, even, even in regards to like um, mushrooms is kind of a hobby of mine. And, you know, um, in the Germanic culture, like uh, ingesting mushrooms and things, they, they very much was, it very much was a part of the culture, even if they weren't um, a psychedelic mushroom, just mushrooms in general were used for brewing mead and things like that. And in some of the alcohol laws that were passed as a way of trying to control the pagans, they outlawed the use of mushrooms to, to brew certain alcohols. Uh, it, there was only a certain uh, list of uh things you could use like barley and wheat, you know, is very, very limited on what you could actually use to brew, uh, and create, you know, beers and alcohol and things like that. So, you know, they, they really did everything they could. And, and, and keep in mind, these were laws that were passed that were enforced by the sword, right? You know, they forced people like into this, this, this state of disconnect from nature of not being able to go out and commune with it or to even just go sit and, and to observe and to connect that way. Like Which, th- this was a religion that is all about control. Yeah. So, th- and so that would have been, I would imagine part of the ceremony, if you're working with uh, mushrooms, especially if they're, um, you know, if they've got some entheogenic properties to them, mm-hmm. you would go do that out in nature. And yep. so they are, and and so obviously the fear is that if you have an entheogenic trip out in nature, you're going to connect with some being other than Jesus or Jehovah, which is, you know, against. Might discover uh, yourself. They don't want that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, wow, it, it really is amazing that, yeah, the links they've, they've went through to, um, to cut us off from that, you know, uh, a great, uh, a great book that especially if you're wanting to get into the early history of uh, Christianity and, and kind of get rid of this totally fairy tale idea that Christianity was anything that was ever worth a shit. Um, A a great book to read is the darkening age by, by Catherine Nixie. Um, She does an excellent job going into that book of the early history of Christianity, how they, you know, like they destroyed the library of Alexandria, for example, like all, all that knowledge in the library of Alexandria that was gathered by pagans 
Like that, that was that was a pagan that was a pagan place where people of all different beliefs, different backgrounds, different mm-hmm. interests could go there to study. It was and people don't know this. It was Christianity that destroyed that library, mm-hmm. you know. And like if you've ever seen the movie uh, Agora, that tells the story of uh, the Greek philosopher Hypatia, you know, an astronomer, uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant female mind, you know, who uh, with her work of astrology and understanding of how. However, the movement of the planets and things, she was, she was very focused on, on that kind of area. They, they ended up taking her, even though she hadn't done anything, because she was a woman that men looked up to. And she gave advice. And in the Christian worldview, that was a sinful thing. That's a, that a blasphemous thing. And they took this woman, like took her, took her into uh, the temple, flayed her alive with broken pieces of pottery, dismember her body threw her torso on the altar and then took the rest of her body and spread it around the city like this is christianity this is how it was brought in it wasn't done through trying to help people it was done through burning temples through burning books through literally killing and beheading people uh to get people to convert it it was never a religion of peace and love as it's been presented like that's the gaslighted version and and people who are still believing that it's because it's because you have Stockholm syndrome. If you're like the Western people are very much in a state of Stockholm syndrome because of monotheism. Absolutely. And I, um, I think it even goes, as I've said, I think it goes even before. I think Christianity was an afterthought, uh, a much better. It's like the best afterthought. But, um, you know, I think that uh, slavery, um, even that is a result of specifically the Germanic people. You know, you don't see it as much in those that the German that the that the Germanic people conquered. You don't see it um, in the Celtic world as much. But the Ger- people who are of Germanic descent are the people who are most likely to want to associate with something other than their own background. To the point where we don't even know. I mean, I never grew up knowing you know, what my background was. You go to school and the first thing you you learn about is Western civilization, which is you're basically told that you're a Sumerian. And then from a Sumerian, you became a Greek. And from a Greek, you became a Roman. And then when the Romans became Christians, then all of a sudden we magically popped up somewhere in Northwestern Europe. Nobody says it like that, but that's definitely what you walk away with. So much so that the... um, Uh, you know, the intelligentsia that I'm watching on YouTube who are talking about history are talking about their ancestors in the third person under this general banner of the barbarians and the way the barbarians thought and what the barbarians did. And this guy's clearly an Anglo-Saxon and he doesn't have the ability to go, yeah, my ancestors, you know, when they were here, there's something else. There's something other than us, which I think was... You know, that's why I think Christianity was adopted, was, was, was legally adopted because it was the perfect, you know, this Gnostic, I hate myself and I, and I you know, I'm, I'm this victim, uh, you know, and I can be saved through this. Let's turn that into something even more powerful and use it as a way to not only control our people, but now we have this really great tool to go in and conquer other people. And we have the Roman, you know, what the Romans used to do is they said, we're the light of civilization. So they started that whole thing of, you know, we're conquering the barbarians with the light of civilization. But now we've got we've got the light of God and God's going to come in and save your soul. And if you don't want to accept God, you're going to go to hell anyway. We'll just chop your head off. 
And right. like said, I, mean, I was, you know, and you think about it, this is gaslighting where you think about, you have this belief that uh, Christianity was this thing that people chose to do and it peacefully happened. Nobody tells you that, but you walk away with this belief. And that's where the gaslighting really is, you know, that, that we have this version of history. Nobody ever really told it to us. When, did anybody ever really tell me that? No, but how did I come up with that, that idea? You know, this is the yeah. power of this kind of gaslighting. This is why it's all in the unconscious. It's so important mm -hmm. to be Yeah, it, it definitely, uh, so much unconscious trauma. And especially like, you know, and, and it's, it's like in our blood now, like after 2000 years, generations and generations, when you bring in the science and understanding of epigenetics, you see how trauma-based mind control get, gets passed on like genetically. And the, the expression yep. of that trauma, the result of it comes out more and more prominently to the point that, you know, 2000 years later, look at our Western society, look how much, you know, Christianity created victims out of everybody. Yep. It really brought in the whole victimhood mentality because your fundamental assumption that your worldview is built off of is that you're sinful and it wasn't anything that you did. You're just a victim of it. Like you have no power to control it. You have no, all you can do is pray and hope this other, this Jesus sacrifice saves you. So it totally puts you into the state of a victimhood mindset. And then we have people that nowadays we very, you know, they like to play the game of what Logan and I like to call the victim Olympics of, you know, trying to see who can, identify with the most minority groups or the most oppressed group to see how many victim gold medals they can get and whoever has the most and whoever's the most oppressed. Now they all of a sudden get this sense of entitlement that, Oh, you know, I was this and this and this, and you know, all my group and my race and my religion, we we've all been repressed. And you know, that's especially like among like the modern, like political left, you, you can see yeah, that as yeah. a, a grant, a group that very much like the, has bought into that whole, you know, trying to win the victim Olympics kind of mindset, as we like to refer to it. If we look at that historically, then that shows the genius of it, because when you conquer somebody, and the Romans didn't do this all the time, but they did in some cases, but then when they adopted Christianity, they did it all the time, which was when they went in to conquer somebody, they also destroyed their religion. And they mm -hmm. did it as a mandate from God. What a perfect way then, because you've now victimized people. And if you have really come in and destroyed them, massacred them, enslaved them, taken away their language, their culture, how can you help but feel like a victim? And then, so, oh, okay, we got our religion. Here, take our religion. And so then, of course, they're going to identify with Jesus. Of course, they're going to identify with being a victim. And now you have perfected the infection, and they'll pass it on to their kids. And, right. and I think, again, this is going back, this is what I think happened to the Germanic people. Um, because, you know, uh, Celts will go on and on about their tradition and their blah, blah, blah. And other people and everybody, um, African-Americans, Native Americans, understandably, they can talk about, you know, blah, blah. Germanic people never even acknowledge that they had a past. They talk about themselves as the barbarians. Yep. So we're still, uh, among all of them, we are as much um, dealing with this unconscious victim trauma to the point where we project it onto the rest of the world. We enslave all the cultures we came in contact with. We destroy them. We do all the things that were done to our ancestors by the Romans. And we never acknowledged, you know, the, the whole slavery mentality. We never acknowledged it. And it's yep. 2,000 years later, we're still doing it.
And, and that's yeah. the sad part. And the ironic part is where do you see, you know, uh, white supremacy the strongest? Within Germanic cultures. What does yeah. that tell you? It tells you that that's their projection. That they see themselves as less than human, they see themselves as slaves, and so they project that onto the people they come in contact with. You know, the the Spaniards yeah. did it. Uh, you know, the Anglo-Saxons did it. The, obviously, in in Germany, the you know the um, the Nazis did it. And mm -hmm. these are the people who were suffering. You know, who were, who were on the front edge of the Roman conquering empire. Mm -hmm. you know, the guys on the outside didn't get it as much, but. You know, so to me, there's just no mystery why right. this all erupted out of uh, Germany, Anglo-Saxons, because we haven't acknowledged it. And if it weren't for the Scandinavians, if it was specifically the Icelanders, if it weren't for the Icelanders who had the opportunity to slowly and peacefully mm -hmm. convert to Christianity, we wouldn't even know what our ancestral mythology yep. was. They were the only people that kept it because they yep. they weren't so, you know, they were able to hold on to it. And so this is our cute little background and still worship the elves and still, you know, worship Jesus and kind of have that half and half. And if it weren't yeah. for them, we wouldn't even know. We wouldn't know who we were. Yeah. I, I like that you brought up the white supremacy and how they're kind of coming. They, they see themselves as slaves and victims because if you go within the, uh, the philosophy of like the Ku Klux Klan and um, the Aryan Brotherhood and things like that, those groups very much specifically, um, they they very much see themselves as like they're, you know, like within the Klan, they they see themselves as fighting what uh, what they know, uh, what they call Zog, which is like the Zionist, you know, they, they, they're they really coming from this place of, oh, we think, you know, the Jews and everybody, they're all trying to wipe out their white race. They're all trying to kill. It's still this feeling of, oh, we're being attacked. So now we have to try to overcompensate by dominating. But yeah, I, I love that you brought up that, that feeling or that feeling of why that's there is because of the violation that did happen as Christianity started to influx into, you know, uh, our culture. And yeah, it's just, uh, I really think the way for, for us, especially as European people, to go about healing that disconnect and all of that is is to use that, tap into that fire element that we're talking about and use that to purify and to burn away all the Christian programming. Like to me, you know, it's just going through and like applying critical thinking even like and in, in, in using that, um, you know, like with, with Jesus. One, one thing I like to think about is, you know, the irony of like, why, why anyone thinks Jesus could ever save them? Like, and he wasn't even good at his job. Like, I mean, he, he was a carpenter that ended up nailed to some boards. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, talking about irony. Like the guy's not even good at his job. So why think, you know, that guy's not going to save you. You know, <laughs> you're better off learning from an archetype like Odin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been well, a really good talk. Thanks, guys, for letting me come on and, you know, um, of course. ranting and raving. And uh, thanks for now my new understanding of Kalsarp Yoga. And um, I'm really looking forward now to uh, seeing more of what you guys do. And um, I'm happy, you know, go back and forth and maybe we can have, you know, uh, more bring you onto my channel and vice versa. I'd love to see that. We would love it. That'd be great. Maybe we try like a, a live broadcast or something like that get more engagement. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm not done <laughs> with this conversation. Yeah. I know, right? No, no, we, can put, we can put a book, bookmark in it for now, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Just it up. Yeah. To be continued for sure. But right. we sure appreciate you coming on.
on and joining us on our channel, Michael. It's been a very interesting and enlightening uh, conversation. Of course, we'll we'll have you back at some time, but why don't you tell the viewers uh, what you're up to and where they can find you? Uh, so you can find me at uh, thunderwizard.com. That is uh, my subscription site where you can go if you want to become an apprentice, work with me personally. Um, you can also go to the free YouTube channel, thunderwizard.com, thunderwizard, D-O-T-C-O-M. And, um, you know, there's options there as well. And you start there. And um, if anything hits your fancy, you'll have options to connect with me more. Yep. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put the links to Michael's channel below. And uh, for those of you who have not read the book or would like to read the book, Odin says Jesus was a coward. Very, very affordable, very good book. Um, you know, as well as all your other books, Michael, there, you know, I think, you know, some of your best work is in your books, even I, I, they're all wonderful, but this is one that if you're a fan of the channel, read this book, because, you know, if, if you're resonating with us, this is something that, that you'll get a lot of, a lot out of, um, again, Michael, you know, uh, being one of my gurus, thank you very much for joining us. This is a wonderful conversation. I've learned so much from you and everybody else, uh, you know, thank you for joining us. If you have not yet, be sure to go to thewizardfactory.com and check out our free initiation package. Uh, we have in there a toolbox video series that teaches you how to cast the circle of the Magi, uh, work with the runes, as well as uh, some other meditative practices. And it also gives you uh, free access to our Facebook Inner Sanctum group, where if you're wanting more personal interaction with us to ask us questions, uh, things like that, that group is, is where that kind of more... Uh, close-knit tribe uh, interaction goes on let us know what you thought of the episode you know your opinions and anything that we brought up that really resonated with you let us know what that is in the comment you know and what what your thoughts are on things uh and until next week be empowered be inspired and be encouraged thank you for listening to the wizard factory podcast we hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to explore deeper understanding of the universe and ourselves.